What's going on, Badger Nation? Welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, your home for all things Amazon PPC related to make your Amazon advertising a little bit easier and a little bit more profitable. A couple things here. Uh, number one, we maintain a spreadsheet of all of these episodes categorized. So if you're looking for PPC tips related to keywords or campaign structure or uh, how PPC links up with SEO, we have a spreadsheet categorized where you can go and check out all of our episodes and get the episode you need to work on the areas that you need to improve on. The second thing I'll mention, we do a monthly customer webinar. A lot of AdBadger customers listen to the show uh, and we uh, don't very often talk about our tools on services on this show, but we do during our monthly customer webinar. Uh, you can go check that out in the link below the description. I'm super stoked for this episode. I always like talking to Alfredo. He's a very strong advertiser. He's very decisive. He likes to uh, go and really push the boundaries of systems and processes and discover efficient, effective ways to do things. Uh, and I think as an advanced marketer like he is, you're going to hear some cool perspectives on some things that uh, you might mm, think are pretty simple and pretty common. We talk about ad coverage. We talk about judging performance like week to date, like, hey, it's Tuesday. How am I doing this week in my advertising? You know, how do we incorporate that conversion delay? Uh, how do we get more aggressive with advertising? Uh, so I love this episode. It'll give you some good perspective about how to sort of move from a beginner advertiser to a more advanced advertiser on Amazon. Have a good one. Let's jump in. I've launched campaigns and picked keywords. I've got my bits set placements too. Now bad mistakes. Day in the life of an Amazon PPC manager working with several clients, Alfredo, campaign manager at AdBadger. How are you doing today? Thursday. Nice and relaxed. Happy Thursday. Nice. Is, is Thursday a relaxing day for you? Yes. What's your least relaxing day? Wednesday. I have everything back to back to back to back. <laughs> Do you like that? To make it's... the hump day the power day? And Thursday, Friday, try to keep no meetings, try to focus on deep work. I'm inspired. So you're mentioning words like deep work and days where you stack certain activities. What's your productivity philosophy? You're online. We yeah, are working online, working remotely, working with other people, working with clients, working with Amazon. Do you have some kind of personal productivity thesis that you like to follow? You can only get to so many accounts in a day. So it's like, I think I, I try to go super deep into an account. 
So usually, let's say Monday through Wednesday, I'm staying light in the accounts, just kind of doing a quick check, just making sure, hey, nothing is going too crazy, no anomalies, keep it pretty solid. Then Thursday, Friday is when I put all my accounts together and then just do the deep work that's needed. Whether I'm pulling a search for report, running an engram, just going as deep as I can into an account, rethinking of the plan, taking the notes from the meeting, putting it all together, and trying to make something happen. Was that an automatic thing for you? Like you just instantly knew to do that when being a campaign manager, or is this like a lesson you had to learn? I had to learn. Our, uh, the best one who taught me this lesson was uh, Michael Tejeda. He is one of another campaign manager here at Ad Badger, and he does an amazing job with his calendar. He blocks everything out. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. So sitting with him on his calendar, how does he think? And eventually I made my own system. Um, I think he likes to have his calls a little bit more spread out. I'm like, let's go, let's knock him out. So I try to yeah, put them together. Awesome. And so for this episode, we were talking about like what topic to talk about. And I was asking you questions like, you know, what's the last thing you talked to uh, Amazon store seller about? What's the last thought that you had when looking at an account? And you came up with like, a, you gave a rapid fire of a lot of different topics. And I was sort of inspired to be like, well, Amazon marketers need to think of a lot of things. You need to hold a lot of information in your head. You need to have high mental RAM. So let's jump in to some of these topics, shall we? Um, so the first thing that you talked about when I asked you sort of what is up, what are you thinking about when it comes to Amazon marketing? You said uh, coverage is a topic that we've talked about before on this show. But I think this word coverage, you know, you gave a one word answer, coverage. What does coverage mean in the context of Amazon PPC to you? Campaigns and what kind of campaigns are we doing per product? Every niche is different. Every niche has different types of campaigns. Certain keywords, certain ASIN targets, certain sponsored brands, sponsored products, sponsored display work better for certain products. So let's say internally, we'll have our own sheet, right? Where we record all the campaigns we've had in the history. And the real deep work is just thinking about the actual account and thinking what campaigns will work best. Or let's say the most standard FBA product that's not saturated. Um, you can run all campaign types and you can run them all with the most aggressive bids. Um, but the reality is for most accounts, that's not the reality. So we have to strategically think of rearranging these campaigns. Um, sometimes it means going more into broad modify, right? It means more trying to create a creative approach that's saying, Hey, if we see these three words together, we know it's going to convert whatever else is in that query. We also know it's effective. So let's run a nice broad, broad modified campaign because we're going to target keywords that people cannot find in regular research tools. Um, that's something we're seeing. Some accounts work really well in ASIN targeting. So we're going to go really deep, put a lot of ASIN targets, put a lot of campaigns there um, for ASIN targeting. You mentioned something really, this is, this is like a, I know you're casually saying this, but I actually think there's a lot of advanced topics that you're talking about here. So I wanted to break this down a little bit to confirm my understanding here. Basically, like when people get started in Amazon advertising, they oftentimes look for, just give me the template of campaigns to launch. And the template, you know, has been around for some time and it usually follows something along the lines of like run an automatic sponsored product campaign, graduate the terms that work well into a manual sponsored product campaign. Uh, and then, you know, slowly but surely you're like creating these sort of cookie cutter accounts. Now, I think for many people when they get started, that cookie cutter formulaic approach is exactly what they need because it's better than a complete jumbled mess. 
So if you can give people like really hard and fast guidelines to follow when they launch a campaign, they're going to be way better off than if they're just randomly plugging, randomly just doing anything. And I think what you're saying here is that when we move from sort of like beginner Amazon PPC strategy to more intermediate and advanced Amazon PPC strategy, you begin to see different nuances emerge for different products and different categories, uh, where for certain products, simply put different campaign types and different targeting types are going to work slightly better for some reason. And we could talk about why we think it works better in some reasons. Uh, I always like to distill out like, well, what, what rule of thumb can we pull out? But basically like certain, certain times, sometimes again, like I'll open up an account sometimes and I'll see like, wow, for whatever reason, broad match is absolutely crushing in this campaign. It's just doing way better than the exact match. And I think sometimes like rules are sort of made to be broken and like push some of the boundaries to sort of discover, you know, hey, sometimes the typical keyword research strategy only works okay in this account. It actually works a lot better if I'm like targeting terms that have maybe 10,000 to 15,000 searches a month. Uh, and you just begin to sort of see some of these nuances. So I'm cu I'm curious too, like, is that, is that how you would say like the evolution has gone for you of like, okay, I have general guidelines and best practices when I step into an account and like launch a product and like start working with a new client. But over time it begins to evolve because I want to pick up on some of that nuance. Like for this account, like does ASIN targeting absolutely crush? Does certain kinds of ASIN targeting absolutely crush? So like, is that, did I, did I understand what you said correctly? You really well. And, um, to build on that, actually, a lot of times we're taking on accounts with terrible structure, right? But everyone in the Amazon space would be, hey, don't have all three match types in the same campaign. But sometimes those accounts work. So for me, the biggest exploration was like, well, is a broken clock right twice a day? Um, right? And, and it was going through those and try to understand what's working about those. Why do those work well? Um, if you just How hard is that process? Yeah, like, like I, I want to pause there. Like when you do see... A campaign. So like we think of bad structure. They have all three match types in a campaign. They have 150 keywords in the campaign. They have 50 ASINs in the campaign. They have multiple ad groups in the campaign. Um, they're top of search and uh, product pay, product placement bid modifiers are both zero. Like everything's kind of weird in this account. They, maybe they haven't even touched it. It's got no negative keywords. When you walk into a situation like that, what do you do first? Like, because I, I, I will tell you that uh, I think well, I'll start with my opinion. I think I think the wrong approach a lot of people take is just like they pause that campaign or they just nuke it. They're like, oh, this is bad structure. Let me follow this sort of paint by numbers approach. And then they'll just do this sort of paint by numbers. I think that's the wrong idea. And I'm curious if you agree or disagree there. Like, what do you do when you approach a campaign that has sort of like bad fundamentals, but seems to be working well? At first, I look actually for the like, where are we seeing you know, 100 ACoS, 120 ACoS, where it's just nowhere near the account average. It's just outperforming. Those guys, they mm -hmm. can get it. They can get turned off. But a lot mm -hmm. of times, there's targets with good history that are going top of the campaign, perform really well. A lot of times, I'll just spend time looking at it, right? Usually, what we end up seeing is when, when there's a phrase or a broad match, probably 90% of the spend is going to the first 10% of targets, 20% of targets. So we see that really push to the top. So effectively, this campaign, maybe it has hundreds of keywords in it, but it's only really advertising six. And, th and that's what I'm keeping there. 
So the first one I'm seeing is like understanding what's the mesh type. If it's exact, it's much, it's much easier to deal with, right? Because you just change the bid and there's very few actually keyword targets that come out of exact, maybe plural, maybe singular, but that, that's pretty much what you're going to see for the most part. When we get into phrase abroad, the real way of diagnosing why it's working is going into the search terms. Why are those search terms coming up the way they are? What's, what's good about them? What's bad about them? And then going through the search terms of those campaigns and, uh, and sometimes blocking out some that are good. And then sometimes just letting the ones that are good run. That would be the main strategy. And this part, I like actually keeping manual. So it's like, this was the highest betting campaign with all the bad, with all the bad APPC fundamentals, but just go through that, check the search terms, check it manually, see if we like it. Then once I can understand, let's say the flow of the account, then I can get much more systemized and like apply certain types of negatives to all products in campaigns, in different campaigns, right? And we can move quicker. It's sort of the digesting account, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like uh, when the garden overgrows, you know, yes, it might look messy, but you might have some beautiful sunflowers rising up through the weeds. So I'm curious too. So, I mean, we started this conversation by asking the question about coverage um, and finding the right blend of coverage for a particular product in a particular category um, sort of sounds like what you're describing. How does sort of n-gram analysis, longtime listeners of the show should know what n-gram analysis is. Uh, how does n-gram analysis play into this sort of coverage idea? A lot of times we're seeing big variations on Amazon. So a lot of the accounts we have. Um, so what do you mean big variations? So a lot of child products in mm. uh, in one big parent, in one parent, so maybe 10, 15. And a lot, maybe, maybe it's a color, maybe it's a design, maybe it's a, a style. And a lot of times these keywords, and so a lot of times we can see maybe mm, there's big volume for, let's say, the black one. There's like some search volume there, but there's nothing for the others. So a good use of this n-gram is saying, okay, what are the queries that we use for the black one? Let's take that query, let's put it in broad modified, and let's just replace the, that color with the new color and put a plus on everything. So this way we make sure that every query will have blue. So I'll put plus blue plus the query and then plus blue and then keep the other query empty. So that way broad can really like think uh, what's going on. What we find is that these type of searches are much lower in volume, but they're much higher in intent. So we see like a ridiculous CTR um, because of the 10 impressions they got, two people were looking for that for so long and they finally remember. And you won't find a term like that that super high relevance, uh, very specific, low volume. I mean, it's like the definition of like long tail uh, where you're like adding words to the keyword to make it more and more specific. You know, the difference between shoe and running shoe and purple running shoe and purple trail running shoe, uh, you know, it gets so much more specific and the volume gets lower. And a lot of times I feel like terms like that don't show up in typical places we look for keyword research tools. Uh, and those things don't get found often uh, and they might get lost in, you know, a search term report and things like that. Um, so you're saying that you, you would use n-gram analysis as like a positive keyword research tool to like find these ideas. And then you take some of those one or two word roots, put them in as modified broad and begin to search around them to find terms related to them. And if it works for, for one of the variations, but I can do them from all. 
So if we have 10 variations, 10 trials, the, we can have 10 campaigns just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some definitions for in case someone's listening and is like, what words are they saying? Um, so we'll include some links uh, in the description here. But n-gram analysis, uh, it stands, it's, it's a, tool that we've used, um, which basically says when you take a search term report, uh, you know, you might see words like purple running shoes and like running shoes, uh, for men that are purple. So like this word purple, what you can do is like sum up the data for every turn, every search where the word purple was found in. And, you know, maybe individually purple appeared, you know, a hundred different terms only got one click each. Uh, you're able to sort of sum that up and be like, wow, like if you look at all the terms that purple was in, it actually was absolutely crushing it. So we can take this route and like begin to build some key- keyword terms around it uh, with our all of our main keywords and just like bolt on modified broad uh, some of these root words. So I dig it. And like terms like that won't generally show up in a keyword research tool. I dig so that was the first, that was sort of the first thing that we talked about when we talked about coverage. Uh, and then you went a little bit further here. Uh, and you, when we think of coverage, we just think of, at least I, I think of showing up everywhere where your product could appear in front of customers who could potentially buy your product. Uh, so like being sure we have all ad types covered and keyword match types covered and like Amazon's inserting more paid sponsored placements on everywhere you look on Amazon search result pages and product pages and all these different places in different campaign types, sponsor product, sponsor brand, sponsor display, all have different placements on all these different places on Amazon. And you had this idea sort of going on the offensive with sponsor display. And I think sponsor display is often forgot of. Uh, I think rightfully so people should get to it last, like start with sponsored products and like take those best keywords, put roll those into sponsored brands. Uh, and then if you have budget left over and you're happy with your performance so far, roll into sponsored display. Uh, sponsored display makes up uh, usually a single digit per- percentage of spend for most people, like three, four, 5%. So any utility we can get from sponsored display that works well, I think is worth considering. So how can we increase our coverage with sponsored display? Maybe a way that people haven't thought of before. Usually when you do sponsored display, you want to set it up for conversions to optimize for conversions. Mm-hmm. It's going to make easy. This is going to be the best performance for you to measure. Um, but one really interesting case study that I heard of is a highly consumable product. So people are going to have a high repeat purchase rate on this. Uh, price was low. And for this type of niche, you're going to have very high ACoS. And it's really expensive to bid on keywords. But for this niche, ASIN targeting was working really well. So the idea was, and this category was dominated by one really big seller. They were just eating up most of the category sales for whatever reason. So the idea was to target this top seller and change to optimize for impressions. And this would be something that most of your competition is not doing because they're always optimizing for clips, for clicks or conversions. But now by doing for conversion by impressions, we're spending more money, right? Losing a bit more money, but we're strategically getting a lot more of the traffic than everybody else. Yeah, optimizing for impressions, blasphemy when it comes to e-commerce right. marketing. Give me the sales, Alfredo. Um, so what, is, what does this do for us? Like, wh- why? 
you know that this one guy is eating up all the sales in the category. And then we know there's a lot of volume going to that page. So with that type of idea, we want to be there for that volume. And if we stay optimized for conversions, we're just like the rest of the category. That's what everybody else is doing. That's what makes sense. A little bit crazy, but it was a really interesting way how this account saw their sales go up, their ad sales go up like 10, 20% by just focusing on that page and changing the impression type. You mentioned Michael Tejeda. I want to say over a year ago, Michael Tejeda and I did an episode talking about like sponsored display piggybacking, uh, where basically you know, let's take a keyword that you love, like the number one keyword in the space for your product. And you're like, you're ranked like position 20. Like you can't, you, you're not getting any sales for this keyword. Um, so you basically search that keyword, grab the top products, you know, maybe top five products or something. And then you run sponsored display ads on those products. So it's sort of like, it allows you to get some of that volume. This is very similar to that. Uh, it's just another use of sponsored display that I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, so yeah, what did we call it? I think we called that the sponsored display, double tap, sponsored display, double tap. There it is. Episode 124. Yeah, it's, it's this, it's this exact concept. And I don't think at the time back two years ago, April 28th, 2021, I want to say, I don't think there was optimized for impressions at that time. Huh? So yeah, it's worth re-exploring this with the optimize for impressions. I dig it. But just to wrap up here, make sure it's this one product, one campaign, and just there you're doing it. We don't want to make it messy. We don't want to put too many products there. That's really the idea where we can isolate, test, and see the results. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I love it. Especially when doing something like this. Uh, anytime we want to segment, we want to segment like, would we want to control the budget towards something. And in this case, yes, like if you're running multiple sponsored display uh, product targets, you're going to want to say like, okay, I don't want to spend money on this one anymore. I want to spend money on this one. Or maybe I want to spend twice as much on this one than over there. So like having those campaign segmentation principles is key here. Um, you know, since we're doing sort of day in the life of things that an Amazon PPC marketer thinks of, um, one thing that you were working with recently was launching a lot of campaigns for a high skew count, um, marketplace, uh, ad, ad account. And I think this makes people really nervous. Like as soon as the skew count starts going up, uh, you know, we're dealing, oh, can you hear that thunder? Got a wow. Texas storm over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of times when people get into high skew counts, they get really nervous and it's almost like their campaign structure kind of breaks down or they get overwhelmed or they're making decisions where they aren't crazy about it. Basically you had a high skew count campaign, a high skew count client and high skew counts. A lot of times when people run these, they often look at them they're like, wow, I have a thousand products. I have 5,000 products. What am I supposed to do here? If I send like, you know, 10 clicks at a dollar CPC, I'm going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars a day right away. How am I supposed to launch campaigns for this? So I sort of, I think this is an interesting way to launch campaigns for a lot of products, like thousands of products that don't currently have campaigns. I think people could get very overwhelmed. I think people begin to do weird stuff they're not in love with. Like, well, let me just launch a campaign with like 500 ASINs in it or something like that. Um, you had an interesting approach here. Talk to us about it. So the idea here was, we were focusing on two things. Um, 
One would be ASIN targeting through autos. So we only focus on uh, just using the mesh set for ASINs. Then after that would be the low bid fraud match campaigns with just one word per line, something along those lines. Um, and the idea is figuring out what's the break-even in cost. Okay, let's divide the break-even in cost by 10. Then we know the CPC we need to have. And then let's subtract 10, 20 cents on that. And then that's a good way to start. So if we end up saying, hey, our breaking if A cost is $5, we can do 50 cents CPCs, we can bid on that. Probably let's start our campaigns at 20, 30 cents. Uh, this is most likely most of the campaigns we're launching are not even going to deliver at that price because it's just too low to work competitive. But because it is broad, there's a lot of options that can come out of it. So those guys can start delivering. That's a really interesting idea. Um, and then slowly we feed to this some more. So that way slowly we're getting it up to 50 cents. And the best way we would do it would be to go in each product and say, hey, do these keywords make sense? Are these keywords super relevant? What's going on? And then we try a coverage where we're using exact and phrase. But right now is if we're just talking all this broad match campaign, we know we control the bid and we just need to make sure that the, the keywords are relevant. It's almost like we're using, it's almost like an auto campaign, <laughs> mm -hmm. but in broad where we're, we're using this campaign for chaos. If you're doing something like, you know, bidding like 20 or 30 cents on the low bid broad match uh, for your auto campaign where you're only, I think I heard that you're only running like the product targeting. So like mm -hmm. compliments and substitutes, mm -hmm. what is your bid over there? Yeah. Also like 20, 30 cents. It's all based on the idea of what the break even it costs. And it's almost like the goal there is to only get cheap clicks. Cause I would imagine if you launched thousands of campaigns for thousands of products that are new, you're going to end up with potentially like if let's say all this stuff had like a dollar bid and every campaign had like a $20 a day budget, you're creating the potential for like too much data that like is, I would say too much data in mass, but not enough data specifically. So you're going to end up with like maybe hundreds and hundreds of campaigns spending their $10 a day budget limit or $20 a day budget limit. But it, even within that, it will be sp spread out over like 10 search terms with like a couple clicks each making it like really hard to like take the next step but it almost seems like when you launch this many campaigns with super low bids you avoid that entirely like you avoid a whole bunch of campaigns with like very few clicks each accruing tons and tons of spend when taken together yeah it's almost like you can't lose when the bids are that low that's it it's like ppc 10 years ago you couldn't lose like nothing really mattered because you were paying like 10 cents a click the good, the good old days. The idea is that I think Amazon still has some thought put into it when it's targeting on broad. So it's not just any query. Like I think there's still some type of algorithm looking at your listing the same way an auto will and deciding yeah. how to go forward and how to find those search terms. So I think that's yes. also really leveraging Amazon. Awesome. I dig it. Um, another thing that you experienced in the last week was I think this is a topic that will potentially never go away, which is judging ACOS. Uh, there is a conversion delay inside Amazon advertising on any day. And even within the last two weeks, so we're recording this June 22nd, in the last two weeks, I think every day or every other day, there's been a warning banner at the top of Amazon advertising that says, data is delayed. We're working on populating, you know, June 17th again. We're working on populating June 18th. Uh, and it was so annoying 
because uh, the data was just missing. So like we have a Slack channel and it was just like Amazon saying this again, that like data is delayed uh, and it's tough, right? The, the thing that I was going to say is there's a normal conversion delay under normal circumstances. And then you sprinkle in reporting delays from Amazon. And we always want to tell people like, Hey, when you evaluate your results for the month of June, maybe don't do it on July 1st. Because you're going to be missing out on like the last couple days of June, as well as like seven, 14, 30 day conversion windows, uh, attribution windows in your Amazon advertising. However, there's still a lot of benefit in having some thought to like, what is my ACOS for this week? What is my ACOS for like month to date? What is my ACOS for like the most recent seven days, including today, yesterday, and the day before? These questions are a little impossible to answer, but there is some value in just trying to figure out how to get an ACOS value for your recent days of data. How do you sort of think about this? So the specific example was also, we were dealing with a client peak seasonality. So their account was peaking for the year in June and July. Mm. And mm -hmm. it was a fairly large account. And it's one of those accounts where, hey, if tacos go in any direction, it can really break, make or break the profitability. So it, right. it's really large, you really wanna push it, but you know that 2% two percentage point on tacos can change a lot. So if you're something like that, I like even taking into account like sometimes daily swings. Um, and I'll look at it. And a lot of times we know that, hey, we cannot make any actual concrete actions on that because we know there's going to take an attribution window, but it's still helpful to see how things are moving. And usually what I'll just look at is the total top line and the total spend. Usually those, they might change, like usually that tackles number will stay. Usually the total spend on the day won't change that much. And usually the total top line won't change that much as either. It's the attribution that's going to take a while. So those are the numbers that I'm looking at and, and just kind of letting it go. Uh, sometimes I'll even just put it in Excel, just take it from that console, take it from this reports. And this is like in peak seasonality time when it's you need to know. So there's less variability there. And that gives a pretty good idea. Then when we get in this, let's say, game time situations where your peak seasonality, you don't have the time, you don't have the typical PPC advice where it's like, hey, we'll just launch more campaigns, we'll optimize account, we'll fix some structure in three to six months, we'll bump down to our, to our target ACOS. For them, you have to make changes. So a lot of times we'll say, hey, these were our total sales. We're spending this much over. Let's just see the bottom products that are not really converting that have the high ACOS. Let's just see if we can put some budgets on them. Let's see how we can manually cut X amount of dollars and spend per day. Um, and that's what I was looking at in PCL. So correct me if I'm wrong. What you're doing is you're looking at not the advertising revenue for like yesterday, for example. Uh, what value are you looking at for revenue there? Is that, well, like just for the ad spend and then the total sales coming from those reports. Got it. So, so we're, so we're sort of taking like a daily total ACOS and the assumption there, uh, is that the business reports, like the reports outside of advertising are more accurate to the day. Um, so like, if you want to look at the performance yesterday, so like today's June 22nd, at 10.30 a.m., you're able to go to June 21st, look at ad spend for the day, which we assume to be mostly correct. It's not always. Uh, and then we're looking at total sales from like business reports, which we assume to be correct uh, and finalized. It isn't always. 
Um, so then you're able to get sort of a total ACOS figure, which you can then uh, use as a determination of like how the advertising did yesterday. So it sounds like you do actually don't look at the advertising ACOS for yesterday. You're sort of, because it's not finalized. Sometimes I'll try to look for like a pattern of like what's the relationship between ACOS and tacos. So is it one to two? Is it one to three? Um, sometimes it comes, it, it, it's, they work to the T, like our target, our target tacos is something. And then once the ACOS just goes below a certain number, we always hit the target tacos. Right. So I look for those patterns. That's not something, yeah. and sometimes I'll be looking, well, the advertising console for the last 30 days is always by day. So you can just see that graph and see what's trending and see where, where do we need to be. I dig it because it's really hard to answer because you, we would, it's helpful, right? It's helpful to know the pulse of your advertising in these critical moments of like peak season, peak season, peak week, uh, all of that stuff. Like you want to, you want to be able to optimize on a shorter feedback cycle than waiting to look at like a costs and total a costs like days and days later, because you might miss some critical periods. So like, yeah, trying to piece stuff together is, uh, is an important part. I'm curious too, like, because no one day on Amazon is the exact same as another day. So like keyword search volume, it gets searched 30,000 times a month. That doesn't mean it gets searched a perfect thousand times a day uniformly. And you get exactly one order a day for a particular term. How do you manage that? Like, or how have you seen some sort of like variability and just sort of like search behavior, the sort of randomness? I think a lot of accounts, they follow a certain trend, either their weekday accounts or weekend accounts. Mm. And that's something that I'll tend to look at. Um, for weekend accounts, maybe we'll end up boosting the bids on a Friday and then check back in Monday morning and return the bids back to where they were Friday night because we know the week is going to be a little bit slower. Uh, sometimes we have an account peaking on Wednesday. It's really hard to say. It's really hard to see why it is like this. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes the clearest example is like the office space. Like most time you're going to get sales nine to five, Monday through Friday to the office space, but for other products, you just, it's just about looking at the data. Yeah. So a lot of times you can just go on advertising council, say, Oh, that day was, it was a peak. Let me look last week. Same day. Was it also a peak? Yep. It was. And you can establish that pattern. Alfredo, we ran the gamut here. I have a lot of things that you're thinking about on a week to week basis. And Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Um, how do you, I'm curious to, to handle a, a personal, you know, some people I'll talk to, they want to get into doing PPC. They want to get into marketing on Amazon. And I think anyone who wants to do it needs to be comfortable with this sort of like flurry of ideas uh, and making decisions sometimes based off imperfect data. So like, I think a trend here that we saw with all these topics is like, you need to look through the clouds and squint your eyes and try to determine where to go sometimes with imperfect data. So you mentioned a lot of stuff today. You mentioned coverage where, you know, how do you find new keywords that aren't showing up in keyword research tools? It's like, okay, we can use n-gram analysis and like grab those terms and do modified broad. That's sort of a leap of faith based off like some data going on the offensive, going after certain products uh, with sponsored display uh, and impression targeting. The assumption there, we're making some assumptions that like this will give me good visibility and you have to like go back and spot check and like 
launching a lot of campaigns at once and like judging ACOS based off total ACOS, trying to get figures up to the week. So I, I think one thing that I, that I love here is like you need a lot of like mental fortitude to be able to sort of say, I'm making this decision. I don't have necessarily all the pieces of the puzzle. I can see enough of it and I'm going to persevere on this. And then I'm going to look for these metrics to determine if this was like a good idea or a bad idea and bob and weave based around that. Do you feel like this sort of like mental fortitude to, to sort of go hard with some of these observations and judgments and actions and reflections and rinse and repeat is a vital skill for people on Amazon? I think a lot of it comes with experience, right? It's like you're going to start with working with the with what you think is the perfect data. You're going to start with the keywords that you find there. And then a lot of times you're going to apply like the traditional knowledge to an account and the account maybe won't move the way you want it to move. So that's when you start moving into these other spaces where you need to try to find trends that are not there. And then and then after a while with that experience doing it over and over again, it just becomes second nature when you apply them to new accounts. Yeah. And this is sort of the ascension of an Amazon marketer. I would say it's, it's the ascension of anyone in any profession, in any skill where it's like you begin with sort of more paint by numbers, you know, definitively, everything's very clear. And then over time you realize, well, there's actually a lot of ether all around. There's actually a lot of hidden ways that things work. And there's actually a ton of like imperfect decisions that we need to make. Uh, and we just need to make decisions. And then the real expertise comes from like evaluating those decisions, deciding what was good about them, what was bad about them, what to do next, because different products and different industries are going to work differently. Um, so hopefully we've given people, a, number one, a lot of stuff to do here, but also a lot of perspectives uh, as they sort of ascend themselves into the high echelons, echelon of Amazon marketing. Uh, Alfredo, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It is always a pleasure. I really enjoy talking with you. And I know that people out there in Pagination did too. Thank you for having me.